0: I like what you prayed there, Albert. As far as um, uh, God loves His Word, God loves His people. Um, that's really where I just have faith. For when uh, was it five o'clock? I got a message from Albert. <laughs> it's like, hey, Robin, and Robin is preaching out TLC today, and uh, and uh, so it's like, okay, Steve, you got a message in your back pocket? No. <laughs> God, do you have a message in your back pocket? Yes. Uh, God is a speaking God. So really, it was with faith in that, just saying, okay, God, you continue. And I I believe that's exactly what happened. And uh, so, um, Lord, come and bless your word. And this will tie in for those who were here the last time I was here. Um, Let me hit a timer. Okay, 11.04, good. Um, We had two messages back to back for those who were here. We talked about the new covenant and the difference between the New Covenant and the Old Covenant, and how important that was because the Holy Spirit came to dwell within us in the New Covenant. And so belief in God took a marked turn, all right? So after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit, um, a whole different experience of the believing people in God. Then the second time we looked at, so what does that look like? in the New Testament church, okay? you got the Spirit of God living within us. We've got these gifts and stuff like that. What does that mean? What what does it look like? And we talked about everything from Holy Spirit in the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit in signs and wonders, the Holy Spirit in the church, and the Holy Spirit in personal growth. Um, Just how this looks, how this works its way out. Well, um, if we walk back, so there was a church that really ran with this. We know it today as the Corinthians, all right. Now, the Corinthians, they were into the Holy Spirit. They were into the gifts. Um, and, and when you read through that letter, through that book, that's what you're going to see. They are just filled with the gifts. Paul says it. You, you are just, you know, packed with the gifts. All right. Um, as a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians 1 7. Let me stop right here, real quick. If you've got an electronic Bible or a paper Bible, um, you keep that close. I'm going to need your help in flipping back and forth. I'll be telling you where to go. But I want you to see this, and we didn't have time to do the slides to be able to do it, unless Brando is like magically able to just pull up you know, script. now, OK. <laughs> so keep a Bible close by. But First 1 Corinthians 1:7, 1, right at the beginning, so that you are not lacking in any gift. As you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, well, that's where we left off the last time we were here. We are after the cross and before the return. And thank God, the Holy Spirit has given us gifts, and the first, uh, the Corinthian church was not lacking any gift as they were awaiting the returning of God. They were also a mess. Uh, They had fights and factions. I'm of Apollos, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of Christ. Uh, They were taking each other to court and having lawsuits. Uh, People were getting drunk at communion. There was sexual uh, immorality with prostitutes. And there was even someone going to bed with his stepmother and bragging about it. There is the church. Hello, (laughs) okay? And it's just amazing that is Paul's, heart as he's working with them, these believers in faith, that he's patiently correcting them and instructing them as they go from step to step. That's what's happening in 1 Corinthians. Today, we are going to read 1 Corinthians 13. All right. And I'm going to call it 1 Corinthians 13 Revisited. And so we will start off with just reading the passage. So 1 Corinthians 13, this is all of 13 verses. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Now, what we know as 1 Corinthians 13 is these 13 verses. They make a very effective, poetic, and memorable section of scripture. So much so that this is probably the most preached scripture in all the Bible. Well, if you walk into a Christian bookstore, at least that's what it's going to look like, right? All right. What, what phrase of what we just read there would not in some way be able to appear on a coffee mug or in a placard or something like that? I mean, just it's, it is powerful. It's just like there, right in your face. Um, it's been used at weddings, funerals, counseling sessions, um, it's inscribed on T-shirts and bookmarks and every genre and style of art. You can find those words. Everything from the cultivated to the kitsch. I mean, it's, just, it's, it's there. It's been used to address broken relationships, family dynamics, romance. It has been the subject of poets, philosophers, and moralists. But right or wrong, it's not how Paul used it. How did Paul use it? That's our question as we come into this morning. All right, so this is where we're going to need our Bibles. So I'm going to need a little calling out and a little bit of help and a little bit of raising hands. So look at the passage again. Chapter 13, love is. All right, where's the flow of the conversation? What is Paul talking about as he enters chapter 13? Give me a hand. What subject is he talking about? No. I couldn't hear. No. He's, he's talking about love and 13. He's addressing love and 13. But he's jumping into the middle of something that he's talking about before. What's, what's happening in 12? Gifts. gifts. The gifts functioning. Let's look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12.1. What does he say there? Someone read out 12 one real loud? Good. Uh, Luke? All right, he's right there, just one. All right, now concerning the spiritual gifts. Now concerning, he is, he's, all right, we, new subject, boom. Now concerning the spiritual gifts, 12 He has started talking about spiritual gifts. Where does he finish his argument? What chapter and verse? If you were to skim through and you could lose some, use your headings even, they'll help you out. Scan through 12, 13, 14. Can you think this morning? What you say, fifteen i yeah. I'd go a little bit earlier than that. Fifteen one, he's starting to talk about the resurrection, right? Oh, he's talking about the gospel. So, where, where do you think? 1426, maybe. 1426, maybe so far as 1440. You know, as a matter of fact, if we read 1440, someone read that out for me, 1440? Okay but let everything be done decidedly in order. So without having to make you read all of 12 and 14, he is not only talking about spiritual gifts, but he's specifically talking about spiritual gifts in the function of here, us, today. All right, you guys come together, and we are still coming together over 2,000 years later. And you're coming together, and the Holy Spirit is within you, and there are gifts. All right, and what should that look like? Because, you know, the Corinthians were messed up in a lot of things, and one of the things looked like if you showed up at their Sunday meeting, it was going to be well, um, I think Luke was just telling me last night at one o'clock in the morning, there were some people yelling in the streets outside their little place in Frederick. That's probably more what Sunday meetings would look like. And Paul wants to speak to that. All right? So 12 to 14. So just want to get that perspective, okay? Um, What we're doing here is we're looking at truth that's written down, but we're trying to understand, okay, when Paul wrote this, what was he trying to say? Because he was saying something. It was a letter. If I took any letter that any of you have written and grabbed a little portion out of it and said, well, such and such said this, if I didn't take the context of your letter, I could really misquote you, couldn't I? And that's done a lot today you know we can grab what someone says and get it out of context out of the time and the place and it's just i didn't say that and so we do the same thing with paul 1 corinthians 13 paul's like i didn't say that <laughs> what did he say he's talking about the gifts all right so someone read out before First corinthians 12, 1 corinthians 12:1 now concerning anybody have a electric uh, electronic bible where they could do a search so, can anybody just punch in now concerning into that search bar? And let me know is there any other place in 1 Corinthians that that phrase now concerning shows up? 7-1, 7-25, 8-1, 12-1, 16-1, and 16-12. Bingo. All right. 7 1. The matters about which you wrote, 725, the betrothed, 8:1, food offered to idols, 12 spiritual gifts, 6 one the collection for the saints, 6:12, our brother Apollos. Now concerning the things about which you wrote. All right, you're jumping into a letter, okay? Right now you're at 7-1. You've gone through six chapters. You're up to 7-1. Paul, all of a taking a break. He says, now concerning about the things that you wrote. Let me give you some answers. You want to know about this. You want to know about that. You want to know about this. And he is systematically working through the letter. And if you went back, that's exactly what he's writing about. And so when he comes to 12.1, now concerning spiritual gifts. You ask about spiritual gifts. Let me talk to you about spiritual gifts. All right. So again, we're just trying to frame this. Um, now, if you also go to 12.1, here you, you need, well, because we're not in their time frame, we need a little bit of a help with a, a lexicon. It says in 12.1, now concerning, probably in your translations it says spiritual gifts. The Greek word is pneumatikon. So there is no spiritual gifts. It's now concerning the spiritual. Now, we use the word spiritual gifts there. If you go just a few verses later to 1 Corinthians 12, 4, now there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There the word is charismatica, okay, spiritual gifts. So when he's using now concerning the spiritual or pneumatikos, um, that adjective can be translated different ways. It can be spiritual people or spiritual gifts, Either way. And depending on the context, in 1 Corinthians, it's used both ways. Um, as a matter of fact, if we go all the way to the end, not the end, but 14.1. Uh, this is right after chapter 13. Has that same word. Can someone read fourteen one out for me? Yes. Good. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. There, again, he's using pneumatica, okay? So what Paul's addressing, as a matter of fact, um, if we go through charismatica and pneumatica in 12 to 14, he's using it back and forth interchangeably. So... The point here is in this context, he's clearly talking about spiritual gifts. But he's talking about it in reference to spiritual persons. So he's addressing gifts. But he's got this context of spiritual persons. Otherwise, he wouldn't have changed from pneumatica in verse 1 to charismatica in verse 4. All right? So you just got to get that little bit of a hint there. Of course, they're reading the Greek and they're seeing the difference and you know, we're throwing the two words together. So we got to... Look a little bit more there. All right. So his last, one of the last phrases in that 12 to 14 section is 1437. I'll let you look down at that one. I can read this one out. I actually have it written down. He's closing out his thoughts about this whole topic and he says, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, pneumatican, he should acknowledge that the things I am writing to you are commanded of the Lord. So if you are spiritual, okay, he's going to close off that section. So this leads to a question as we're, you know, looking at this letter. Because again, we're jumping right into 1 Corinthians 13. Today, we're not starting at 1 Corinthians 1. When they read that letter to the church, they read the letter. All right, they started at 1. They didn't stop until 16. Just walked on through has he used this word spiritual persons anywhere else in the letter? And I'll help you out here. Go all the way to 1 Corinthians 2.13, right at the beginning. 1 Corinthians 2.13. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom but taught by the Spirit. Interpreting spiritual truths, pneumatica, to those who are spiritual, pneumatikos. All right. Continues right into verses 14 and 15. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly to him. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, pneumatikos, judges all things, but he himself is to be judged by no one. And then three, one. But I brothers, cannot address you as spiritual people, pneumaticos, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. All right, now, let's start pulling some of this together. For those who it's been a while since you read First Corinthians the opening argument that he first addresses. He says, hey, man, you guys are great in gifts. Love the work of God that he's doing among you. Um, And oh, by the way, Chloe's people tell me, dot, dot, dot. So who are Chloe's people, you know? Um, And actually by the end of the letter, you're like, oh my gosh, poor Chloe, you know? It's like, (laughs) Chloe's people told me about this and this and this and this. And so he goes right in and says, you know, that one man says, I'm of Apollos. another says, I'm of Paul. I'm, I'm of Christ. I'm of Peter. What then? Has Christ been divided? He will then spend six chapters of this whole letter on what issue? Disunity. He is coming at it from a number of different angles and saying, you guys, you are so proud of your spirituality you are so proud of your exercise and spiritual gifts and yet you are carnal this is why you are carnal and he's lovingly bringing them step to step but it is just fascinating that his first primary concern passion for this church is unity is the people being one And he's trying to help them see and connect the dots that it's their arrogance that has led to this disunity. You are seeing this carnally. It is not of this and of that. Has Christ been divided? You know, I'm glad that I didn't baptize any of you. Well, I may have baptized this guy and that guy, but you know, it's not the point. you, You can't grab my name. Has Christ been divided? So, and he does a great job. And for sake of time, I'm not going back to all 1 Corinthians 1 to 6, but just the volume of time and effort they spell just go that, okay? Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13. When I read this section, and it really is beautiful. I mean, I, I was going to do a challenge say, grab me one verse in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could not put on a placard. I don't think there is one. They are some of the most, you know, short, beautiful, um, figurative, imaginative, mind-growing things. And, and that's obvious because culture has grabbed onto this. Um. How many weddings have you gone to, where people are not even believers? And this passage is in their marriage vows. Um, in counseling, my wife and I done, done counseling for decades. We use 1 Corinthians 13. You know, it's interesting. We we usually use it for the other person, you know, and we use it as a self-examination tool. Well, were you patient? Were you kind? Were you envying? Were you holding a grudge? This is what love is. Paul defines it right here. And it's a great self-counseling exercise to just check through. When I was just dealing with my kid right then, was I, was I, did I believe all things? Did I hope all things? Did I bear all things? And nobody, by the way, gets through that exercise feeling great, okay? Just, (laughs) just... (laughs) But we also use it, um, it's such a powerful section. We use it in almost everything we preach about marriage. Listen, the covenant of marriage, husband and wife. What's important here? Love. Bear all things, believe all things, hope all things. Let's shift over to social concerns the poor in the street, the guy who's homeless. I don't care about your religious institutions. What's important? Love. The other person. Love. Um, if we want to go into the whole place of just politics or nations and stuff like that, philosophies, they're, gonna, they're going to quote the same section. Love is. Love is. And it's fascinating that it's so powerful that everybody wants to grab onto these words to make their argument. And so here's my question. How did God use them? Because God could use them anywhere. Okay? When he was talking about um, parents loving their children, that section of the Bible, he could have thrown in love. Love is this, 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 this. You know? When he was talking about you know, good rulership of elders or leaders in any congregation. He could have thrown in love. Love, this is preeminent. He didn't use it there. He didn't use it there. He used it here. So I'm like doing this little bit of like, okay, God, you got this real powerful nuclear bombs passage of words. I mean, this is is God, I'm, I'm just saying it is beautiful, it's well done, it's like, it's, it's, it's amazing, it's, it's tight, it's poetic, it's memorable, it's, it's gorgeous. So why did you put it in the middle of a section about how gifts work in worship? Why would you use it there? I mean, let's, come on. <laughs> use it for something else. Save your big guns for the important things. That's how I processed it. And that's where I kind of dove into this, saying, what's going on? Now, what is going on in 12 to 14? Paul's talking about the spiritual gifts. But he's talking about them in the context of what we're doing right here, coming together. 1 Corinthians 14, 26. It's, uh, he's kind of like recapping at this point. And he's describing, it's a really cool picture because It's like, okay, what did church look like with Paul? Paul says in 1426, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Now, we saw aspects of that. Um, As Al shared uh, last time just in his testimony in praying for the one couple at the Dorcas ministry and just feeling like a word of knowledge. Um, by the way, can I pray about this? They didn't tell me anything. He just had a prompting from God. He's exercising gifts there. Um, the prayers that we pray here. Um, different people are coming forward with different lessons and stuff like that. But this verse doesn't, capture so much i think the sunday meetings that much of us are most familiar with um here i think it can happen a little bit better because we got this size group when you get 500 people and everybody comes with a psalm a hymn a word a spiritual song what's going to happen <laughs> it doesn't just doesn't work okay you 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 can't do that i mean talk about chaos here in current corinth just try it in a five thousand person church so Structurally, over the eons, the church has developed more of this us, they. All right? A lot of different churches, a lot of different denominations, you know, there's much more of a we come to listen, and there's six or so people who are either bringing the message or the word or something like that. So, to help us out, I want you to think about prayer meetings or small groups. I think that is where I'm more familiar with this kind of verse. And Steve, i interrupt you, but you would know this just last Sunday we did an extended time of worship. Right now we're in a season where once a month we're, we're doing what's supposed to be a short message. Last week was a little too long. And then we spend an hour just waiting, singing on the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're doing that each month specifically cool. to live out that. Uh, that because God's arranging things. Good. This is a perfect, perfect, we just did it last Sunday. This is a perfect uh, instruction for us right now because and we're small enough to do that, but we're, we're literally having, we had eight folks the last time we did it, you know, just come up and bring various words. And, Thank you, before, Lord. But, Good stuff. Yeah. All right. So hopefully you're not going to now share, uh, identify with my next example. <laughs> <laughs> because here I just want to get frank. Um, I can remember in 1984 um, coming back from prayer at the Boils, and just saying to my wife, Yvonne, saying, you know what, that was probably the best hour I spent all week. There's something about when I get praying, it just, it just, you know, you do a bunch of things during the week. You work in the house, you're doing your job at work, you're working with the kids, and they're all to different degrees profitable something to me that when I'm praying I just feel like more good stuff is getting done in that time um, no matter what and so it's committed me to prayer and so through the decades I have been with numerous prayer groups in numerous situations now having said that um, my soul has probably been more challenged (laughs) and I'm probably more carnal in prayer means than anywhere else. Why? All right, if you guys have been around prayer means long enough, uh, hopefully you just won't be just Steve thing, okay? You identify. The person who prays for 30 minutes straight and doesn't even breathe, you can't even jump in and say amen, or, I mean, they're just they're rolling from topic to topic, and they're, they're, they're focused, their eyes are closed, they're loud, and they're, they're going on and on, and you're just like, how do, how do you even interrupt this? The person who is praying and just trying to listen, because you're trying to hear where they're stopping so I can pray now, and, 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 and they're going on and on, and it's like, okay, you know, the person who just really wants to demonstrate their gifts, you know, and they've got the staccato and stuff like that, and they're just like, you know, they just seem to be like behind a pulpit, but they're supposed to be praying, and then there's the slander prayers, you know. It's like, you know, I want to pray for this person who did this and this is this. Or it's the complaining prayers, you know, I my my life is like this. Or it's the political advertisement prayers, you know. Lord, we just we just want to curse this candidate, Lord God. For, then the judgment of God will be by <laughs> or, or there is, I mean, there everything's there, you know? I mean, you're just you're in a prayer meeting, and everything who, who all the garbage that's in us is there because it's who we are. Welcome to the church, you know? And some of these prayer meetings going on, I'm thinking, man, if I brought an unbeliever in here, just like, what are are we thinking? And when you're in there, you're really wanting to pray. You're wanting to be close to people. And and here's the thing. The question is, okay, how do you lead in a situation like that? So I've tried to say, you know, like, okay, stop the meeting. All right, uh, you you shouldn't pray like that. Or, you know, this is not. You know what? Almost always it doesn't work. Because what happens is prayer is squelched altogether. So you bring in a little bit of word of correction, and like nobody's praying, you know? So there's this real tension that's very real. It's the people of God, exactly who they are, exactly where they are, working in the gifts of God, and it's messy. Welcome to the church. And so, what does Paul say? Let me just open up my First Corinthians 13. <laughs> if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Do you recognize what Paul did when he just said that? All right, the number one gift that the, whole, that the Corinthians were into was tongues. Oh my gosh, you know? And so I can speak in tongues more and louder than all the rest of you. And, and like, so it was chaos. They're all there. They're just speaking in tongues and everybody's got the microphone and stuff like that. And it's just like, you're a noisy gong. You're a clanging cymbal. Now, Paul... Is very much into prophecy. So, actually, just to clarify, I gotta. He later says, "I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all." He wasn't just in tongues. Okay, so he keeps going. You have to go through all three chapters to get this. And if I have prophetic powers and recognize Paul is into prophecy, he starts off 14.1, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Why? because prophetic words build one another up his his problem is not tongues his problem is that in a corporate gathering tongues is much more of a private gift i am communicating with god it is a great gift to have in that you want to pray you're burning out your heart and i just always run out of words and so you just kick into tongues where you're just feeling your heart is expressed and god's giving you a language to just communicate with them it's it's wonderful, it's edifying, it's building up, it's, it's um, you're in your own soul, and that's what scripture says it does. But I can stand here now for five minutes and pray in tongues and you ain't getting nothing, okay? <laughs> you, you know, Come on, let me get to the snacks. But if I have prophetic word, that's for you. That's helping you. And that's what Paul's trying to direct our attention to. When you come together, use your gifts For the other person and tongues by the way is great but use it if you've got someone else with the gift of interpretation so I pray in tongues and now you've got someone who can say hey this is what this person just prayed now someone's edified great so but he'll say here and if I have prophetic powers now Paul's into prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge what far reaching statements and if I have all oh, faith so as to remove mountains. He's, 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 he's with the uh, preachers who are saying, yeah, you can move a mountain with faith. He's not pulling back from that. But have not love. I have nothing. Well, what am I after? I mean, that'd be pretty cool to pray and see that mountain move. I think that'd just be pretty awesome. You know, I, hey, God and I'm there too. you know. But God, you know, I, I'm an impressive God. Make it happen. But have not love. I am nothing. And it's a love how he goes on to. And if I give away all I have and I deliver my body to be burned, all right, there's no greater sacrifice. But have not love. He is just laying it all out there. And then he'll go through what love does, what it looks like and stuff like that. And then he concludes love never ends. Prophecies will cease, tongues cease, all this ceases. Why? These are gifts until Jesus returns. Someday he returns, we don't need them. We don't need faith then, we're in sight. I don't need the gift. I don't need the encouragement. I'm seeing him, you can't discourage me. I'm just I'm 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 with God, but now I need it. I need you speaking the word of the Lord to me. I need to see miracles. I need my faith built up. But there's a day when they mean nothing. However, at that time, love doesn't end. Love is still there. So he hasn't changed what he started at the beginning. He's saying the same message, guys. I love your zeal for gifts. I love that you come together, growing in faith. Humble yourselves, come together, be unified. And so, when I looked at this in this context, here was my conclusion: This passage, thirteen, verse Corinthians thirteen, is applicable for a marriage for counseling, for teaching about families and why we should care for the poor and the needy and government solutions. But God has said it primarily for the church coming together. Why? Because if the church doesn't come together, everything else falls apart. If we can be split up and knocked apart, it's over. There's no praying. There's no unity. There's no oneness. It's done. That's how important our gathering is. And there's a lot of things that push us apart. My examples of prayer are just one of them. Sure, if I had each person come up to the mic, what bothers me about getting together with people? <laughs> come on. We bother each other we're, because we're different. Our, our spouses bother us. We, we married them, we wanted them, we, we fought to get them, and they bother us because they're different. Love is patient, love is kind. This, I think, is the message that we need. We need God's help. We need to fight to be together. We need to fight for it. And it's hard. You guys have been through what I've been through. Ten years. Coming to Life Church. 5,000. 3,000. 1,500. 750. We're not talking like, hey, I got to know you last month. I've known you for 20 years, known you for 30 years. (laughs) Ah, there's not a person in our church who, in some degree, is not still in the process of healing. There and people who are not there. It's the reality of it. but it's also the reason for the prize and what God's trying to do. And so my joy, my hope, is that Jesus at the Last Supper says, Father, may they be one, even as we are one. If Jesus hadn't prayed that, I don't know if I'd be able to hold on to it so much. That's where we're going. And that's where we're going to need the gifts and the Holy Spirit to get us there. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you that this isn't a just doctrinal or practice lesson you gave us. This is who you are. This is the Trinity. Three in one, undivided, different roles, different persons, one God. This unity. This togetherness, despite differences. I don't know how to put that into words of training, but God, you are one. You are one. May they be one, even as we are one. Lord, help us to do whatever small steps today and this week, whatever small pieces of the body, whatever small relationships that we can work and take steps towards that, Lord. For your glory and our good. Amen.